The Homance Chronicles. The female equivalent of a bromance. So many poor choices. But so many good takes. But so many poor choices. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Got it. And this is The Homance Chronicles, and I'm Sarah. And I'm Nicole. And I always like to tell people when we're doing these like midday recordings because it's a nice breather. It really is to just kind of mix up your schedule and talk about something that's important and or fun instead of just going from meeting to meeting. So I also like to mention it because usually when we do these daytime recordings it's because we have a guest from across the pond (laughs) so today i would like to welcome childhood and relationship trauma expert danny greaves hello hello thank you very much for having me hi yeah thanks for joining us it's a pleasure you um mentioned prior to me hitting the record button about how you're using a model that helped you kind of get to where you are today. Can you just give us a little bit of understanding of what started you on this journey of becoming a trauma expert? Because that doesn't sound like something you'd set out to do. Like, yeah. like you know what I want to be when I grow up? It's not something they say in school. They're like, all right, little Danny, and what do you want to be when you grow up? I'd like to help people with their problems, particularly their trauma. (laughs) I'd love to say that was the case, but you are indeed correct. Yeah, that that wasn't in the life plan. Um, But essentially, and I think a lot of people who go into this line of work it's because they've been through their own kind of journey themselves and then they've found something that really works for them and then they just want to share it so I would sort of put myself in that category so really it all started when I was in my younger years and I didn't really know about it to begin with but it actually all started when my mum and dad divorced and that at the time was for me, it just had a huge sort of emotional impact on me. Do you but, have you know, any when... siblings? I have two sisters. Yeah. Because So my parents divorced when I was six-ish, six or seven. And I have a younger brother who at the time would have been about four. And I actually have more memories of him being emotional during the time than I have of my yeah. own, which my therapist thinks is odd. <laughs> Well, yeah, you, I have a feeling I'm going to unpack that really quick. You were on the, I'm the authority role. And so you were like, "Mm -mm, don't do that. We can't be doing that right now. We're not allowed to be sad. We have to move, move, move. (laughs) (laughs) Probably. I mean, I probably took that older sister role very seriously. (laughs) Yeah, I imagine so. Yeah. So too seriously. (laughs) Right. Right. So I actually, like, I remember my brother like crying and saying he wanted daddy and like that kind of stuff, but I don't remember myself, like my own experience. So I'm always curious when people go through divorce as children and they have siblings, I'm like, anyone else do what I did? No. Okay. (laughs) Disassociation. (laughs) No. Okay. (laughs) Well, I certainly have sort of mixed memories of all the different people involved being upset at various points. But, you know, as a kid, I kind of just sort of like moved on and kind of got on with things. Or so I thought anyway. Yeah, I think that's what I did, too. And then (laughs) you're like, wait, I can't commit to a relationship. (laughs) Oh, there we go. You've you've read my story. So that's that's kind of how it showed up so like I got into my teenage years and it kind of got to that point where I could sort of see other people forming relationships and then anytime I even got near that topic you know that moment where the heart beats out of your chest the hands are sweating and you're like rabbit in a headlight I'll just avoid this and I'll just get out of it a little bit and so it kind of felt like I was just watching other people form relationships for a while and after watching that for a while I started to think oh there must be something wrong with me like it must be 
something wrong with me and the more that thought kind of sticks in the head the more it grows and that just really started to develop into like anxiety and stress and my confidence was just really really low and it was just such a challenge because that's the thing I wanted but there was just something something blocking me and I didn't know what it was so it was a it was a stressful time and it took a six foot five Mexican neurosurgeon to show me where the problem is (laughs) (laughs) I mean I like a man I can climb as well I I wouldn't (laughs) doubt that (laughs) a six foot five Mexican could make me do some things too (laughs) (laughs) you want me to realize what okay I'll realize whatever you want daddy (laughs) well if it helps this particular Mexican neurosurgeon is kind of a cross between like the height of Thor and the mustache of Einstein so, like, <laughs> you put, put those two together and then you've kind of you've got an idea somebody I still want to meet yeah yeah sounds interesting <laughs> so since they're a neurosurgeon were you having tests done or is this was this more of like a personal relationship well I went into the physiotherapy career so I wanted to help people who were struggling with pain and that's what I wanted to help people with and I was going on various different courses and I love studying like neurology I love physiology so I've got one side where my relationship is really causing me to to struggle and I've got the other side where I just really love to learn about neurology so I was going on all of these different types of courses And then I went on one course that was the first one I ever saw that involved emotions. And I was a bit like, oh, okay, I'll go for it. I'll I'll go for it. I wish people can't see. I use your jazz hands. Like, (laughs) I was Um, just going to say, like, they appeared just at the bottom of the frame. (laughs) I still remember the moment. So I I went into the classroom and I, you know, I hide at the back of the room. I've got my notepads and I'm sort of like hiding away. And then it comes to the emotion demonstration. And then I get picked up the front to do the demo in front of the class. Because that's how the universe works. That's Mm -hmm. how the universe works. Exactly. (laughs) So I can remember like it's a hot summer's day. I'm sort of trudging up the front of the class in front of like 30 people who I don't know all that well. I sit in the front of the room and I've got this tall Mexican man next to me and he's sort of doing these tests on my subconscious and doing these assessments and seeing what was going on. And just out of nowhere, I had a flurry of images from like when my mum and dad divorced, the aftermath, the time when I was on my own all of these sort of images just came flooding through and basically in front of about 30 people, I was just bawling and crying. You know, have you ever cried to the degree where you've got so many tears, you just can't see the room. So it wasn't actually mm-hmm. that bad because I couldn't see anything. But, <laughs> so I, I can, it, wasn't, it wasn't too bad. Um, and one of those where, you know, it takes your whole forearm to dry your nose, like just all the way across. <laughs> And I kind of left that day and I was like, wow, like I've, I've got some, I've got some stuff that I need to, to work on. And so then my only question really was, right, how do I go about this? How do I go about sorting this out? And through a couple of recommendations, I went to work with someone who specializes in how the subconscious mind works. And I was like, oh, okay, this is, this sounds really interesting. And I had one session with him where I learned about the model, which is called split second unlearning theory. And then 10 days later, I met my wife. So it was just mind blowing. And over the next three or four months, I just worked through and cleared all of these previous emotional attachments. And now like I'm married, I've got a child and sort of everything changed on that one moment. And it was all about learning how my mind worked. And that was kind of the moment where I thought, 
screw this physio thing. I'm going to, I'm going to do this. And so I just changed careers. Like that. Yeah. And I also think that it's an easier way to digest information. If you're looking at it from a scientific way of learning, if you are already having problems processing emotions or really even realizing what emotions you have, then if you go about it in a way where you're like, I'm just going to understand how my mind works. It seems like a, a easier entry point. However, you had this like breakdown. I don't know what else you call it. Like you, you let That's some walls like. down. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, so I'm curious, I, like, how does that look? Like what, how did that show up? Cause didn't you say that you guys were talking about how that looks in the brain, how emotions look in the in your nerve when you were doing the neuroscience experiment yeah well it turned out that really my nervous system was giving all of the cues away that i was struggling so like my posture was really poor i actually had chronic pain in my shoulder at the time and it really was a case of all of these we could say traumas but all of these moments had stacked up over the years and it got to the point where I was 27 and just my whole system was struggling. So I was sort of self-medicating with sort of a little bit of drink and sort of a couple of drugs that I dabbled with. Um, I was overeating. I wasn't exercising. So all of the clues were there. But it's one of those things where I only saw them after they were presented to me. Mm -hmm. And then when I saw them, I couldn't unsee them. And it's that it's a really difficult point where you kind of think, I didn't ask for these problems, but there literally is no one else whose responsibility is to solve them. And that kind of was a point where I was like, okay, I'm, I'm curious now, what can I do? And mm -hmm. that's kind of what set me free, I think. Okay. Sarah, you said you were going to say something and I just kept rolling through. Oh no, it's totally fine. I, uh, <laughs> I have, I was thinking, cause I had a point I was relating with my own story. I had a point where I was in a session with one of my witch doctors, which I lovingly call them. So no disrespect <laughs> for anybody that hears me. <laughs> it's just easier to say witch doctor and just the whole, whole gaggle of them that I go to. But um, there was a point in time where, you know, there was a release and it was time for me to release. And I wanted to cry. The buildup was there. And I just, my ego still stopped me from releasing the cry. And I still couldn't fully let go so for you to have that moment not and that was in front of one person for you to have that moment in front of 30 of them kudos to you <laughs> I can honestly say I had zero involved with that it, just, <laughs> it happened to me see I still had a semblance of control and I just couldn't let go so I'm kind of like jealous <laughs> a little way mm. but well I guess it was kind of some people like me have a moment where the evidence is so overwhelming that there's really no denying it and kind of mm -hmm. that's a, a bit of a wake-up call whereas unfortunately I think a lot of people and as human beings we can put up with a lot so we try to keep going and right. actually what we don't realize is we lose all of that time and actually when we look at it objectively if we would have looked at the evidence we would have made a different choice earlier on I think a lot of people can relate to that putting up with feeling because I think it's it's a human trait isn't it yeah mm -hmm. human condition <laughs> yes mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah so how um how did you leave that day like you obviously had decided that it was impactful enough to make a career change and everything but I'm really curious like after you're done bawling, do you just walk back to your seat and sit down until it's time for it to be over? Like what is, well, it feels like so like matter of fact. Yes. Yes. <laughs> like I'm like, wait, did you go back into your car and just be like, what happened to me? <laughs> well, from memory, I think when the teacher saw me, he then kind of went, let's have a break. And then okay. it went to lunch. <laughs> so I think I, I laid down for about an hour 
And okay. I remember like I was shaking. I remember I was really, really cold. Like I had a couple of concerned friends around me. I think I put a jumper on, have a have a lay down for a little bit. And the rest of the afternoon, like nothing went in because I was just chewing on things. And I went for a long walk that evening. And then I really I remember it really clearly because I went home into my flat and I just sort of stood in front of the mirror. And then I'm kind of looking at my reflection and I'm just thinking, OK, so something has to change here. And when I'm standing there looking at my reflection, like I'm seeing like how I'm overweight. I'm seeing how unhappy I look. And that kind of was the, the feedback that I needed to to get looking. OK. Because it could have went a different direction. You know, if somebody was already dibbling and dabbling with drugs and gin and tonics, then they could have just went that route instead if they really they wanted could to. Just remove the dibble and went heavier around the dabble. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's definitely possible. Yeah, it's definitely, it could yeah. have been that way. Yeah. Um, but I think I was just so interested because it wasn't that I was consciously aware of these problems. And then I thought, OK, I'm going to do something about it. I was just going about my life. And then all of a sudden it's like, here's this. So I was, I was genuinely, genuinely <laughs> curious, like, what do I do here? How do I how do I work through this? Mm-hmm. And did yeah. you have any anger towards your parents after you had this breakthrough were you like I understand why they got divorced and come to a resolution that it's like your own issue that you have to solve or were you spending time being like they did this to me (laughs) it was I I would be lying if I said there was no sort of anger or resentment at all Um, I think it wasn't like the prominent feeling I think the the prominent emotion really it was the the pain and the angst of separating and then kind of seeing both parents individually and seeing the challenges that they faced so it was it was more observing other people in pain and then me taking that on so mm-hmm. I think that was the that was the bigger element for me okay yeah that makes sense so like as you're going around, as you're going through and talking about everything that happened to you again, so matter of fact, (laughs) (laughs) it's like you, you had these things happen and then you went into this and these things happened, but what was going on up in your brain while all this was going down? Were you like talking to yourself? Like, what am I doing? Or were you trying to talk yourself out of it? Like what was happening upstairs that really just made you decide you were going to go through all of this and commit? I wouldn't it was it was when I had that moment in front of the mirror where I decided that something needs to change and when I had my first session and I connected to these images from my past and within 50 minutes those images that had been with me and causing me pain for nearly 15 years were cleared not only did I feel so much better, but I was just like, this is amazing. Like, how do we get more people to know about this? And how do I learn how to do it? So what really kept me on the journey was it was interesting, it was intriguing, and I was learning about physiology and the mind in one. So it it was just so natural for me. And I just kept learning about it. And I felt like I could develop in that area really quickly and then when I started doing more work on myself I cleared more baggage and I just kept clearing stuff and I kept feeling better the kind of the thing that I like to the thing that I have in my head you know the uh, Captain America film where Mm -hmm. you've got this really sort of meek small man and then he has some kind of elixir and then he just sort of like puffs his chest out and then feels like he can do anything. Well, for me, when I got that help, I felt like I could do so much more. And that's what kind of just kept powering me wrong. So I was having fun. And I don't think many people, when they describe their journey of healing trauma, would describe it as it was quite fun. No. And so no, to you're have a first. That, 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. And so to have that as actually an enjoyable yeah. process was was really unique. So can you I'll talk say. about the process or the model? Because after this first session, you keep using the word like cleared, right? And I, I mean... I see enough witch doctors, quote unquote, as well, <laughs> to have things be cleared. Is in, but it sounds like something that if somebody's not familiar with it, kind of culty. <laughs> a little bit, ah, and also oh. it also right? seems like there's like a little bit of a backlog of something that was happening that you're just like whoop off the top, whoop off the top. It's not that yeah, easy, like you're, guys. You got a list and you're just crossing them off, you know? Like oh, and- running into this issue. Whoa, let's just get rid of it. No, that's not how that works. <laughs> Well, maybe if I talk you through how it works, yeah, yeah, yeah. that <laughs> might make more sense. So yeah. when we're involved in an incident or an event or even a set of circumstances that has an intense emotional charge, our mind takes a snapshot of where we are, what we're doing, who we're with, and all of the chemistry that comes with it. And our mind then stores that subconsciously and kind of puts it on a little bit of a danger list. So that any time in the future, when we go near something that's either similar to or symbolic of that dangerous event, the stress response gets triggered. We get flooded with cortisol, flooded with adrenaline, and then we're in the grips of a, a stress episode. So what split second unlearning does is helps us to connect to the imagery that we create during that event that's stored out of our awareness. And when we bring it into our awareness, then we can process it. And as we process it, all of the emotions that were stored at that time, then dissipate and fade away. So from a sort of more scientific viewpoint, what we're saying is when you access these emotional images, that causes the HPA axis to trigger the stress response. So we get flooded with chemistry of stress and all of those hormones that get us to feel uncomfortable. But when we clear the image and it's a case of bringing it into consciousness and just processing it, all of those emotions then dissipate. And so our body then goes back into balance and therefore we can move on. So I know you made the, uh, almost made the joke that actually there's a list and you just clear that one, clear mm-hmm. that one, clear that one. What I actually did was broke my life down into five-year segments and made a list of all of the specific events I could remember and those that I couldn't. And then I worked through them methodically. And okay. I just worked through and processed each of those events and each time I did it, I felt lighter, I felt taller, I felt stronger. And then after sort of two or three months worth of work, which is essentially what I help people do now, then everything changed. Does that kind of give you an idea? So yeah, that, that it's accessing that imagery. So all type of traditional talking therapy will work on the auditory. So it'll work on the sound, the internal dialogue. But it's actually the imagery that we create that drives the auditory and the feelings so when we work on that first element all of the others change after it okay yeah so like you were talking about how the the chemistry in your body changes once that trigger happens and sometimes you know subconsciously I I get that that happens to me and I know hey you don't need to respond like this but my body and my brain are not connected so while my brain is like cold chill out bro my body's like no panic load full no level five alert nope like so how do you start to connect those two things and actually start to get your body to respond to the the fact that you really don't have to panic all is good so in those moments when there is a trigger there is something in your environment or the context that you're in that your mind is associating with a previously painful event Now, it can be anything that your mind can associate with that event. So as a really simple example, let's say um, you walked into a a shop and there was a burglary by a man with dark hair, white shirt and blue trousers. Now, obviously, that's going to be really difficult. You might call it traumatic. And then a week later, you're in a different type of shop and there's a different man in blue jeans and a white top. 
Now, even though the context is different and you know you're safe, it's in a different place, your mind still correlates that element with the painful experience that you had. So it triggers the stress response again. Now, as we go through life, the original cause of the pain kind of merges and we forget about it and it blends in with everything else. So that's where we need to ask specific questions because your nonverbal behavior, your eye movement, your facial expressions, your uh, behavior patterns will show us where the original event is. Hmm. So effectively, we're working together in a curious nature and then we're trying to figure out, okay, what caused it? And then your responses give me more feedback. Then I ask you more questions and then we arrive at the moment where you access the point. This is so cool. As a control freak, I... (laughs) (laughs) An active control freak. (laughs) Status. Status marker. (laughs) I would be trying to not control my movements or like you were saying you can just look at you know eye patterns and things like that I would have to actively try to let all of that go so that I wasn't like appearing a certain way or trying to control my body Mm -hmm. which I think is a natural response for me absolutely Absolutely. And that's something that we would address in the very first session. So usually (laughs) what I say to someone. Because it would be a waste of time if. Well, yeah, (laughs) but it's normal to try and hide it. So we don't pretend that it doesn't happen. But your whole body communicates. Mm -hmm. Like you cannot not communicate. Mm -hmm. So first of all, when you have a rapport with someone and you feel comfortable, that's when you start to loosen and open up a little bit. Mm -hmm. but even in the portion that you show me there's still little hints and little clues and I don't need to know what they are I just need to feed back to you and say oh did you notice that just happened when I asked you that question and that then invites you to go in deeper and then so it's a journey of you exploring your mind so I don't actually need much of the content So for a lot of people, one of the biggest challenges, they don't want to, first of all, relive the trauma and actually talking through and sharing the details can be quite painful as well. Mm -hmm. So this model actually allows us to work through it in a way where I need little bits of content, but actually the story you you can keep as private if you want to. So that often allows the other person to work through it in a safe way because you're not going to have to actually divulge any details you don't want to. Science, man. That's so great. And this was the first paper on this was published at the end of last year. So like it's it's slowly making its way into the literature. So the first academic paper was published in England at the end of last year. There's another paper coming sort of close to the end of this year. So it's starting to build more scientific backing and that's allowing it to then grow and spread. How comforting to know that there are other people thinking about these things in other countries. <laughs> Isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it's not just the American uh, lens, thankfully. But, yeah. and it's becoming more formal, which is really exciting because it needs to. Yeah. And the formalization of it also means that it's grounded in science. So it's grounded in evidence-based practice. So rather than uh, it being more of a esoteric mystical element to it there's actually it's grounded in actually we know the nervous system does this when we experience a stressor we know Mm. that actually the mind stores things in certain ways based on our working memory and actually when we work through these we can get these changes so it's uh it's grounded in what the current science is showing us which i think is what makes it really exciting hmm i just am I'm processing, or I'll say you're, I'm processing how (laughs) (laughs) I should, I should just really quickly let you know that Nicole loves all things UK and British. I do. So she could assimilate to become a Brit. She would. (laughs) I would. Yeah. So if Um, you have any single friends who are like interested. (laughs) I'm sure I've got a few people who would share a cup of tea with you. I think that's perfect. Yes. (laughs) Um, 
I will. I would joyfully come over to <laughs> London for a first date, but I won't even go down the road for a coffee date sometimes. But I will joyfully. <laughs> um, Eccentrically. Uh, yeah, yeah. So one of the things that you were saying, though, is that obviously as you become more comfortable with someone, you don't worry about the hiding and you kind of let go and all of that. And it, I actually had this image flash in my mind as you were talking about that, because I had gone on a coffee date with a guy and he, we were, he was asking me about my like dating experience, I'll say, you know, online dating or whatever. And I was, I talk with my hands a lot and I was also kind of jokingly doing this, you know, but I went like this, I went like put my hands together and like put them on the table. I'm like, well, most guys last about three months, you know, (laughs) and he looked back at me and he's like, this move is a power stance, but don't worry. I'm not intimidated. And so having that mirror reflected onto you is also very eye-opening and do people then after you're telling them you your body did this thing when we were talking about this thing after they're done going through this process um or working their way through the model do they then learn to let go of not paying so close attention to how their body is acting or does it grant people a higher consciousness of my body's doing this and I need to take a pause or maybe it's both. It's, it's, it's a greater awareness. So I think one of the key distinctions in the story that you just mentioned there is that other individual told you what your body language meant. So he's projecting his model onto you. Whereas if I asked you a question and as I asked you the question, you close and fold your arms my job isn't to tell you what that means my job is to say isn't that interesting when I asked you about that context your whole body did that Mm -hmm. what do you think that could mean and so then I'm inviting you to go inwards because it's not my job to tell you but it's my job to reflect back to you and ask you to explore and when we do that you learn more about your body language which then allows you to almost connect, like we mentioned earlier. So the mind and the body are more in sync because if you know that all of a sudden when you go near one context, your shoulders roll in, your body hunches and your chin comes in, that's some feedback for you that there's there's stuff going on and being aware of that can only help you to grow. Okay. So Very how... Cool. Yeah, like how close is what you do to like somatic healing? Is it similar, same? Well, in this approach, because we're working with the imagery, mm-hmm. it's purely conversational. It's just like we were doing now. So we're having a chat over sort of Zoom so we can see each other. And actually, all we do is guide you through the process of engaging with the imagery. So it's quite different in that sense of that actually you will have feelings in the body, but actually we work on the imagery, which then leads the changes in the body. So um, I know we're on audio, but I'll show you this now. So this is what I show (laughs) clients. Can you see my little toy train? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So this is what we call the train of thought. So the first carriage of our thought is the visual. The second carriage is the auditory, so the sound. And the third carriage is the kinesthetic or the feeling. So when we're going also, sorry to interrupt, but also different types of learning styles as you grow up, that's what, that's how people connect with. How do I learn? (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. And one of the ways that we can go in is we can work with the feelings and then kind of work up to the visuals or we can work with the visuals and then let it flow down to the feeling. So this model is more based on working with the visual information because it's this visual information that then determines how our body responds. So I'm not in any way pretending there is one way that actually we can process and work through trauma because as you mentioned, everyone has different styles but actually through working 
in the visual system, we can often get changes quite quickly. So the model is called split second unlearning. And that essentially tells us that it takes us a fraction of a second to learn fear. You know, like if you're in a family environment or you're in a, a violent experience, it takes you a nanosecond to learn this is stressful and your mind only takes a second to learn that. So is that like the can... fight or flight response? Yes. Basically? Yeah. Fight, flight and freeze. Yeah. Yeah. What about so fawn? If we can get fawn, <laughs> fawn, fawn a Kate. That's a, that's a big oh. one as well. Oh. Yeah. That's that's a... one, <laughs> what does that We've mean? Got... That's an instant so... response too. I never thought of. Oh, oh, oh I've got many Fs. <laughs> many Fs. So people can, after a trauma, they can go into feast so they can overeat. They can go oh, into famine where they yeah. don't eat at all. They can go into fornication where they yeah. become sort of sexually promiscuous to yeah. try and fill that void. So, you know, Fs are very helpful for this type of uh, <laughs> explanation. It's a very valuable phrase or letter. One of my favorite letters. Yeah. <laughs> so, so cool. How does, um, I guess, how does one work this into a daily regimen? Um, it sounds like, same? yeah, it sounds like in order to possibly keep this going, you need some sort of maintenance plan. Or maybe I'm wrong. So the challenge is definitely initially you need that external feedback to be mm -hmm. able to process those emotional events. So yeah, that's absolutely correct. There are actually specific questions that will allow you to actually identify and work through those events by yourself. But that's why we do the work together first. So yeah. you're comfortable. And then when you feel proficient, actually you can go through the questions to actually do it yourself. Okay. So it's not a case of actually you need someone for maintenance. Some people like that. And, you know, I, I get maintenance help for want of a better phrase, but actually there are questions that you can ask to do the process by yourself when you know what you're looking for and the feedback that your body gets. Okay. So perfect. one thing I was curious about is shame. Cause I know that shame is really sort of associated with a lot of trauma anymore. So when you're doing all of this work, do you ever find that people have so much shame it gets in, in the way of helping them heal? I don't think it gets in the way of helping them feel. I think it's a uh, heal, sorry, but I think it's one of the most important things to address. So uh, as a really simple example, often when we are experiencing shame, there is some big scary imagery from past events that actually we almost don't even want to face. And you know, if someone is feeling shame, often they'll break eye contact and they'll look down and they'll look away because they don't want to have that eye contact during that moment. So what we've found is actually when someone is doing that motion, often they're avoiding imagery that actually is driving the shame. So when we can approach it curiously, because curiosity is the key to this, because when we're a stressed brain doesn't learn for a start, we know that from science, but when we can go into a curious mode that then allows our prefrontal cortex to engage so we can think things through rationally. And when we're curious, we can then work with the imagery. And when the imagery changes, the feeling of shame then very rapidly decreases. So shame is a real big one. Um, but a lot of the time when we change the imagery that sets us on our way to actually to allowing that to, to dissipate and resolve. That's cool. Yeah. I'm just so like, I want to go through this. <laughs> right. <laughs> I know. I well, honestly, you can imagine me being 27 and like, I've been single all the way up <laughs> to that time. And then in 10 days I meet my wife and I'm like, Okay, this so how did works. you meet? Well, works. I mean, like, how did you meet your wife, and what made it different from any of the other situations or encounters that you had in the past? Like, so I I invested heavily in online dating, so I was on <laughs> all of the apps. You're one of those going, guys that was just like, oh, quantity, quality over quantity. Let's go. All, all of the apps. Like, statistically, <laughs> something should work. 
He's a so, numbers guy. It's, yep. a, it's a numbers game. <laughs> like logic. Um, I was going on lots of dates, but there was just like I couldn't and I didn't feel like I could be me. So I would try to create a date that would impress the other person or I would try and do something that would make them like me. And what I re didn't really do is actually allow myself to be me because I was actually scared to You're act acting. Yeah. So uh, and I'll, I'll share this with you. So this is my most horrendous date. So this is always good to share. So I, these are my I was, favorites. <laughs> I was on uh, on online dating app. OK, and I uh, was speaking to this woman and she was beautiful and we arranged to go out on a date. And there was me thinking, right, I need to do something like special here. So I thought in my mind, what, what do women love? They love dancing. So I booked a salsa lesson. So it was going to be a surprise. I booked this salsa lesson. We met up, we had a drink, and you know, we started to get on reasonably well. And then about 15, 20 minutes into the date, I went, shit, I can't dance. So a salsa lesson is a bad idea. So what then happened is, I'm starting to sweat now because I've realized what I've done and I've set up <laughs> this big salsa lesson. And so we go to the salsa lesson and then on the way, she tells me I do salsa dance every week. I'm pretty much a professional. <laughs> so we go into the dance lesson <laughs> and she's literally like a professional salsa dancer and I can't even put my feet in the right direction. And we're in front of a big group and everyone's swapping around and like everyone's avoiding me because so don't go near him. And it was like 45 minutes of just embarrassment. Floundering. And then oh, but you know eventually what? You went it, so that she was just good. left me you and went it. with the instructor and just <gasps> danced with the instructor for the rest of the lesson. So I was like, yeah, I've made a mistake here. And the big lesson that I really took from this when <gasps> I had done the work is that I was looking for so many external solutions, but actually it was an internal job. So when I worked through and cleared the trauma around mum and dad's divorce, I went on a date 10 days later and I was just myself. And I just allowed myself to chat and talk and the rest is history. I just love, this is the second date we've had where somebody said, yeah, you know, let's go do this. And they couldn't fucking do it. We had previously a guest who was agreed to go scuba diving in Hawaii and she had never gone in her life and she was not from the islands yet. She <laughs> flew all the way there. Right That's when it impressive. came down to getting yeah. in the water, she was like, I can't do this and freaked out and bailed and left Hawaii. Like the the whole state, she just bailed on the guy, <laughs> ran away from him. <laughs> and isn't that typical of the things that we do when most of us, we just want to find a loving relationship. And so we do all of these crazy things rather than actually sometimes doing work internally, which would allow us to just be ourselves. And then the doors open. But I'm so Amazing. glad I didn't do a salsa lesson in Hawaii. Otherwise, that <laughs> you would have felt claustrophobic, like you were trapped. <laughs> but, like, but what was scarier then? The salsa lesson that you were not able to actually do, but was mortifying, or the fact that you were just like trying to be yourself in front of somebody you didn't really know? I, I'd had quite a bit of practice up to that point and the reason why we didn't go straight to the salsa lesson is so we could have a couple of drinks first so my main defense was have a couple of drinks loosen up a little bit feel a little bit more confident and then we do the date so over the years I'd kind of found a little process that would kind of help me feel more confident but it was only when I was presented with this professional salsa dancer and a salsa lesson that I realized, yeah, I've made it. I've gone too far this time. <laughs> so. A little out of my leg here, y'all. I fucked up. I fucked up. Yeah. Uh, well, and in my head, I'm thinking, okay, you 
we're making the salsa lesson a surprise. How did she even know like what to wear, even have the right shoes or like, you know, like that's how I, I'm like, I don't like surprises. I like to be prepared. <laughs> yeah. And if I would have asked myself any of those questions, I would have been better prepared, but I didn't. <laughs> so not only was I actually doing something that I didn't know about, I actually wasn't thinking really about her and what she might like or what would help her to feel safe or comfortable I was just focusing on oh, how can I make myself look good so mm. I think the level of how humbled I was in that hour was a really important lesson for me because that really got me to think that I'm, I'm so concentrated on myself here that actually I'm, I'm going to block myself from ever connecting with someone because I'm trying all these tricks rather than actually being interested in someone mm -hmm. so yeah. I didn't do it again <laughs> congratulations <learner>. thank you <laughs> <laughs> so I just S oh go ahead sir I was just saying like I imagine I picture like this was a couple days after your you know your big day of the purge I guess you can call it and <laughs> it's like crazy that it took a several days and another date after that for you to finally have enough self-awareness be like this isn't working out <laughs> yeah and the amazing thing was when I met my wife we just had a conversation like there was there was nothing else involved we just had a conversation and that's where the magic happened so to have that experience where I remember I had the session and then I was a little bit dazed afterwards um, I felt very very different and I said, I'm going to go get, go get some milk. I don't have any milk for breakfast tomorrow. And then two hours later, I'm walking around London and I bump into my friend. And he says, what are you doing? And I was like, I went out for milk. And that was about two hours ago because just all of this stuff had shifted. And so I, was, I went on a little journey in my head and around London. So um, I came back with warm milk and uh, I just went to bed. I mean, it happens, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Some days are better than others. <laughs> well, this is the uh, time in our show where we do a section called Atta Girls. I mean, it could be an Atta boy for you, um, an Atta whatever you want. Um, Atta human. Where we like to pat ourselves on the back for something good that we've done or something good that's happened to us. We just like to end our episodes on a positive note. Um, it doesn't have to be anything major. Uh, I mean, you could say that this whole episode was your attaboy. Um, mm -hmm. but, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, sometimes we're just like proud of ourselves for getting our laundry done. So mm -hmm. for me this week, my atta girl is that I celebrated my 200th spin ride. Oh, wow. I know. I was like, that's a lot of rides. And um, my friend who was there with me, because this happened yesterday, my friend who was there with me, she's like, doesn't it feel like you've, like, it's actually been more time? I'm like, it really <laughs> does. It really does. You said, I'm like, I've spent a lot of time here. I'm like, Is it only 200 rides? No, I just. <laughs> Well, congratulations, Atta girl! Thank you, thank you, thank you. That's impressive. I uh, <laughs> I don't have anything physically like that exciting, but I did make a um, calendar with all the dinners I'm going to make for the next two weeks. <laughs> a little food prep. That's hard. Food prep is. I have and to be. Yeah. yeah, I know. I have to be in the mood to do it. I got to be motivated. Like I go in these phases. Where I, I do it for like two weeks and then I'm off the wagon. Right. Well, I mean, so like I just having a calendar with the dinners I'm going to make every night on it has been super helpful. And then we have a routine now where we have a butcher that's down the road. So we'll go to the butcher on like, you know, Thursdays or Fridays and get like two weeks worth of meat. And then I'll plan out our dinners. And it's like, it's less, so much less stress for everybody involved. because We're not going, <laughs> what are we eating tonight? And neither one of us has anything I prepared or whatever. So it's like little things like that. Yeah. Bring me Absolutely. immense joy. 
little it's those little things yeah yeah huge huge things uh, that's, Danny, that's do all you I have a attaboy <laughs> i certainly do and it's actually about my boy so oh, we we actually have um a young son who's now eight weeks old oh wow, um, wow. congratulations yeah. you have your fresh daddy <laughs> yes i don't feel a fresh, fresh sometimes though no you won't for um, the rest of your life yeah. <laughs> and last week um we we passed the the eight week mark and we were just like he's still alive so right. that's the he's, your little meat sack made it still healthy and doing well at eight weeks so that's definitely our our little attaboy this week <laughs> I you mean, that's what? that little keeping another human alive. That's that's pretty big. That's a big one. <laughs> I'll take it. See, that's so tell everybody, victories. yeah, tell everybody where they can find information about you or about the model that you use or how they get in contact if they'd like to start this process. Process. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, if you want to start a process or a process, the easiest way. <laughs> would be to go to www.thetraumaexpert.co.uk and okay. actually on my webpage you can download a free copy of my book which is in pdf and audio version if you want to listen to me for another couple of hours and that essentially talks you through the whole process and then at the end if you would be interested in actually starting the process or the process then there's a little <laughs> assessment that you can do, do that. and then we take it from there don't don't destroy that beautiful way you enunciate that word don't do that <laughs> that's awesome it, do you um have an instagram or anywhere that they can follow you on socials yep so i'm on instagram just danny greaves uh, that's me you'll see me as the trauma expert on my page um, and i'm also uh, very active on linkedin uh, under danny greaves the trauma expert as well so instagram and linkedin are probably the two places to find me Right, okay, cool. perfect. And if you guys liked what you heard today, please rate, review, subscribe. Um, you can follow us on Instagram at homeans underscore chronicles. And if uh, you're interested in being a guest on the show, you can email us at homeanspodcast at gmail.com. So thank you so much, Danny. This was yeah. enlightening and I always Encouraging. love hearing about alternative methods for working through uh, your subconscious trauma because we all have stuff that we don't even know is there but everyone is not necessarily cut out for traditional therapy or like cognitive therapy so um I appreciate what you're doing and trying to help other people and find solutions that also sound much quicker than <laughs> the, the five years I spent in therapy that I still need <laughs> Yeah, no kidding. I'm gonna go try to check this out, see what it's all, what all of it entails, and see if we can get linked up. Fab. <laughs> <laughs> and thank you so much for having me. It's been such a great, great fun. Absolutely. Homance out. <laughs>